amazing grace This is unfailing love That you will take my place That you will bear my cross You lay down your life That I will be set that you've done for me greetings in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ isn't it wonderful to be here today and it's great to be in the house of the lord let's bow our heads for prayer dear heavenly father we do thank you dear lord so much for this beautiful day that you have given to us God, we thank you that you have already been here in this house before we even got here this morning. And God, we pray, dear Lord, that your spirit, God, that he would move in our midst. And God, that he would move in our hearts and our lives and that he would transform us, dear Lord, into who he has for us to be. God, we thank you and we praise you so much for this day. You are the one that is worthy of all of our praise. And we praise you this morning. Amen. Let's stand for praise and worship. Who breaks the power? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth? holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my chaos back into order who makes the orphans a son and daughter the king of glory the king of glory who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings yeah this is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I see all that you've done for me.
lamb who was slain Worthy is the king who conquered the grave Worthy is the lamb who was slain Worthy is the king who conquered the grave Worthy is the lamb who was slain Worthy is the king who conquered the grave Worthy is the lamb who Worthy, 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 oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You lay down your life that I would be set free. that you've done for me Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me Amen. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Let's, let's give praise to God with all of our breath, with all of our heart, all of our mind. Let's just give it all to Him this morning as we sing this song. My life has been wrong since Jesus came into my heart. I have hide in my soul for which long I had sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy on my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into I have ceased from my wandering and going astray since Jesus came into my heart. And my sins, which were many, are all washed away since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy on my soul. The sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart. I shall go there to dwell in that city I know since Jesus came into my heart. I am happy, so happy as onward I go since Jesus came into my Amen. We go into this one, 
this is one of my favorite songs. So what I would like for you to do is Courtney is going to sing this first part. She's going to sing, Renew My Life, O Lord. And then we're going to come in and we're going to sing, Never Want to Be the Same. The next slide, she's going to sing it again. And then you're, we're going to sing, Place Your Heart Inside of Me. And then we'll continue to sing the chorus with her. This is what we're looking at and talking about today, transforming our lives in the only the way that God can do. So as we sing this song, sing these words that are true within our hearts. Sing these words, meaning it to God. Change that only your love 
to be transformed into your likeness, oh Lord. Change this heart inside of me. Change this heart inside of me. Change this heart inside of me. As the altar is open for you this morning, if there's a need that you need to bring to God, it's here and the altars are available to you. You can make your way as they place. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you, dear Lord, so much for tonight or for today. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would be here and God, that you would minister to us God, as we have those that are making their way to the altar, dear Lord, I pray that you would meet them, dear Lord, in their need. God, if they need your peace, dear Lord, that you would provide it. If they need your strength, dear Lord, that you would give it. God, if they need your love and your peace, God, that you would pour that out upon them. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would be with those that are watching this, dear Lord. God, that you would touch them right where they are. God, that your spirit would move in their midst. God, that your spirit, dear Lord, that he would touch them. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much, dear Lord, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity. God, we thank you that you ask us to come to your altar and to come to you and to pray and to give you our concerns and our struggles. And God, as we give them to you, dear Lord, we trust that you are already at work in those midst. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, you are the only one that is worthy of our praise. We thank you and we praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. don't want to make light of those that made their way to the altar. I know that uh, I know that one that was here at the altar has a great burden on her heart and on her life. There's a lot of struggles that her and her family are going through that we need to make sure that we lift them up in our prayers. Uh, there's a manly, a great man of God that is struggling because he is not able to get out. Uh, because of his health. And let's just lift him up in your prayers as you go throughout this week. Uh, You know, it is great to see everybody that's here this morning. It is good to be able to be and to, uh, you know, speak and to give you God's word. This morning's message for us today is going to be about our love for God and what we do with that love that God has given to us because of all the things that he has done for us. So I would ask that you would turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and as you turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, just in these first five verses, we're going to have three transitions. The first two verses, one and two, is going to be Paul asking for prayer, 
in verses 3 and 4, Paul is going to give encouragement and confirmation or he's going to tell about the confidence that he has in the Thessalonican church and their prayers and what they have done for God and he's going to confirm in them and give them courage in that. And then in verse 5, he is going to transition one more time and in this he is going to complete the prayer that he actually began in chapter 2 and in this, he is going to give us something, and he's going to pray for us. And I want us to see this. It's in verse 5, and that's going to be our key verse for this morning. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, and I'm going to read it through the English Standard Version for you this morning. It says, May the Lord direct your heart to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ Jesus. So as we concentrate and as we look on this one passage, this one verse here, I want us to look in and go even deeper to that and I want us to look at one word. Because in this, Paul prays that the Lord would direct our hearts. So whenever we see this and we look at this word direct, direct gives us this understanding that we are supposed to be seeking God's heart. We're supposed to be seeking God's love and the steadfastness of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus Christ withstood more than what any of us would ever go through. But he stood fast to the tasks that God had before him so that he would be able to be the final sacrifice on the cross as he died for us. And as I think about that, I, you know, I remember vividly that day that I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, I can't tell you the name of the speaker. I can't tell you the passage of Scripture that he preached on. I can't tell you the songs that we sung before he preached. I can't even tell you the name of the song that, he, that they sung whenever the altar was open. But I can tell you, and it is just as strong today as I sat there in that service and listened to that message, that there was this strong drawing and this indication on my life that I needed a Savior. Now, I grew up in church, but as I sat there in that service, there was this longing within me that the Holy Spirit was showing and convicting me that I needed a Savior. I know that I went down to the altar that day and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I want to let you know that my life from that moment on was completely changed. God had changed the tapestry of my life and the art and the painting that he had designed and that he needed and wanted it to be began anew and afresh on that day. Now, I didn't live a perfect life. I strayed here and there and I did a lot of things after that that I was not supposed to do. I know that whenever I grew up and I went off to college, that the two and a half years or the two years that I was there in college and I strayed away, I knew that if I would have died while I was there, that I would have went straight to hell because I had moved away from God and I was no longer doing what God had called me to do. 
I was no longer living a life that had any evidence of Jesus Christ being in it. So as we look at that and as I think about that, I also think about think about God and how in Jeremiah he told Jeremiah that if you seek me with all of your heart with all your soul and with all your mind you'll find me so today as we think about this and as we look into this we need to get this understanding that we need to seek God We need to seek what he has for us and where we need to be. As a pastor, I think through this and I look at the congregation and I look at the people that God has placed in my care. And there are people that are at all ages and all different levels within the walk of Christ. There are some that are mature in their walk with Christ and there are some that are babes in Christ and there are actually some of those that believe and that feel that they're mature in Christ but they're, they're really not. But whenever I look and I see this, it has absolutely nothing to do with how long they have been Christians. But it has every bit to do with the fact they were going to seek God. I don't want to tell you too much about my life because you might get bored. But whenever I was the first, whenever I first became a Christian, on that day there in Glorieta, New Mexico, with somewhere around 13 to 1400 teenagers, and I was all the way in the back of the sanctuary, sitting next to a young lady that I had just met Tuesday, that on Thursday I just knew I was falling in love with her. But I know that whenever I walked down that aisle and I knelt that I received Christ as my Savior. But the thing about it is, is that I was too tied up in sports and I still wanted to be and I wanted to go to college and to play sports and I even wanted to go into uh, the NBA and play basketball. So there were a lot of things that I struggled with in college because I had one path that I wanted to take and God had another path that he wanted me to take and I didn't want to have any part to do with the path that he wanted me to go on. So I missed those years as far as seeking God but actually doing what God was calling for me to do. There are all too often that we seek God but ignore what God truly wants for us to do and what he has for us in our lives. So to help you with that and to keep from telling you all about my story and about my life, I want to tell you about someone else that Jesus had a conversation with. And if you turn to John chapter 3, you'll find that Jesus is having a conversation with somebody and we all know this conversation, right? This is the conversation with Nicodemus. So first thing that I want us to grab and I want us to see that we have here with Nicodemus is is that Nicodemus sought Jesus. Nicodemus was a religious leader. It actually says that he was one of the ones that was actually writing the laws for the church. So Nicodemus knew God 
But we find here that he seeks out Jesus. Don't get confused and don't get tied up on him meeting Jesus at nighttime and saying that he was afraid so that he went and met Jesus at night so that none of his friends would know that he was going to meet Jesus. He sought out Jesus. He went to see Jesus. Now, it might be that he was afraid. It might just simply be that his day was so busy that nighttime was the only time that he was able to go. But we also know that it was a good, really good indication that Jesus would have only been alone at nighttime. And Nicodemus wanted to have a personal conversation with Jesus. And we find that whenever Nicodemus shows up, he says, we know that you have to be from the, you know, someone that is from, the, you know, from God because you couldn't be working these miraculous signs unless God was with you. So Nicodemus thought he knew who Jesus was. Jesus goes in and, and you have to see this to really grab a hold of this because Nicodemus never asked a question. But Jesus gave him an answer. And that answer was, is for you to be born again or to get into the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. Again, you must be born of water and of spirit. Nicodemus looks all confused. He had to. Jesus is talking about foreign stuff to him, right? Nicodemus doesn't understand. He says, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? I want to take you to a couple of passages of scripture that shows that I believe Nicodemus knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 and 27 it says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your, your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So you see this? Ezekiel had told them about having to be cleaned with water. It's not foreign. The Israelites, they knew when they had the ceremonial washing of the hands before they ate. Jesus told him it's not what's on the hands, but it what goes into the mouth that defiles or that goes into the heart that defiles. They were worried about the exterior, about washing the exterior part of their hands. And Jesus here is bringing this exterior in and he is saying that it has to be an interior thing. It has to be a spiritual aspect, a new birth from within. If that's not good enough, Jeremiah 31 starting with verse 31, going through 33, it says, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when, they, when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife. 
says the Lord. But, I, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 talks about the same thing, about the renewing and the washing of, the, of ourselves and the renewal, the renewing birth within us. The thing about it is, is that Nicodemus knew what Jesus was talking about. The problem is, is that Nicodemus, he sits there and he says, I'm a religious leader. I'm one of God's chosen people. What do you mean I have to be washed? What do you mean I have to ask for repentance? I'm one of the special people that God has chosen. I shouldn't have to do this. You know, let's look at this. You know, whenever Jesus entered into Jerusalem, what do we hear? We hear the words from the religious leaders that's telling Jesus to tell his disciples to stop praising him. And Jesus says, if I tell them to stop praising me, the rocks will cry out. You remember there's another time in the scripture that the Pharisees you know, tell Jesus that they are the sons of Abraham and that they are precious in his sight. And what does Jesus say? God can actually make sons of Abraham out of these stones. We do this. As I stand here and as I'm talking to you, the hair on the top of my head, now that I got this new haircut, the hair on the top of my head is standing up because this is something that we have to understand. We as people in the church, we are no better than the people that's walking out there in this world. We are still lost and we are dying and going straight to hell unless we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and repented of our sins and been washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Whew. We are no better, but the Pharisees had issues with this. They refused to repent. They knew the scripture. They were the ones writing the laws. John the Baptist's message to them out in the wilderness was what? Repent and be baptized for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus comes on and Jesus' ministry starts and Jesus' message was repent and be baptized because the kingdom of heaven is here. Regardless of where you are, repentance and baptism has to be a part of you getting into heaven. We have to be washed from within. We have to have the Holy Spirit living within us. Nicodemus sought out Jesus. And we find in the passage of Scripture, you know, that we see here that Nicodemus struggled with the understanding. There again, I believe that Nicodemus struggled more with the willingness in his heart to transform than he did with the willingness to understand. Because there's a lot of us 
that have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but we're still babes in Christ because we refuse to do the things that God has for us to do. It says if we seek, we'll find. This morning in our love for God, seeking God is not enough. Because you can seek God and you can seek the scripture, but not allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life and you'll be the same as if you were not saved at all. Satan knew about God, but Satan didn't believe in God. Belief is the transforming of the heart. The scripture says that he'll take away the stony, stubborn heart and give us a tender heart, a caring heart, a heart that is able to be molded and to be changed into what he has for us to be and who he needs for us to be. See, those two years that I was off on my own in college, although it was a Christian college and although I still had to go to church service and I still had to go to chapel, I still refused to do what God wanted me to do. In that college, I met a beautiful young lady and yes, that beautiful young lady became my wife. And in April the 9th of 1988, we got married. August of 1988, she introduced me to, a, to her family, family church and I heard my first message on sanctification. There again, I can't tell you what they sung. I, I know the speaker was Dr. Henry Schilling and I know that it was my first, absolutely very first message where I heard the word sanctification and totally turning your heart over to God and allowing the Holy Spirit to have complete reign and control in your life. It's like the light bulb turned on in my head and said, no wonder you've been struggling so much. You've received forgiveness, but you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord. He is still not in control of your life. You're still trying to do things on your own. I believe I ran down to the altar. Now see, it was my wife's mom and dad, they ran the camp, so I couldn't have been too far back. So I was most probably on the first or second row. But I tell you, Whenever I knelt at that altar, that wave of relief came across my body and the Holy Spirit entered into my heart and into my life. A year later at that same camp, I answered the call into ministry and I am convinced that God had been calling me into ministry all of my life. But I didn't want it the same way that the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't want Jesus to be the Messiah because they were comfortable with who they were and where they were. I refused to answer the call until that night. And from that moment on, I have either been a youth pastor, children's pastor, working somewhere in the church, building and uplifting the kingdom of God. Has it been easy? 
Has it been perfect? No. But I know that my life has been changed from that moment on. And the thing about it is, is that we can know God and we can seek God, but if we do not allow him to transform our lives, then we're still sitting in the miry clay. We are still stuck by the human nature and by our human desire that we have until we totally release everything to him. I had another issue. At the age of 13, I started with this uh, smokeless tobacco. I was playing baseball. So I started putting a little pinch between your cheek and gum. And God started to convict me. I remember that the camp in Danville, Virginia, God had convicted me in that service and I actually had a can of it in my pocket. I went up to the altar and I took that can out of the pocket and I set it on the pew. And I said, God, it's yours. I left that service. Now, I was selling cars at that time, so I knew that I had to be back at work the next day. And you know, that was in Virginia, and I, I lived in, you know, we were in North Carolina, so that was a long trip that I was going to have to take. But I didn't want to leave my wife, so somewhere around 11, 11.30, 12 o'clock, I finally pulled myself away from my wife and started headed back down the mountain so I could go to work the next morning. I knew that I was going to have to have that nicotine to keep me awake as I was going down the road. So I went into that sanctuary and I went down to that altar where I'd placed that can of skull and I went down to pick it up and it wasn't there. See, if we try to change our own, our fleshly desires will pull us right back to the things that God wants to take away from us. Our fleshly desires will bring us right back into that miry clay. We have to have the Holy Spirit guiding us and directing us, but we have to be willing for it to teach us and to direct us. And the thing about it is, is that regardless of how old I get, I will never, ever stop learning about God. I should never, ever stop allowing him to transform my life. I will not know everything about God until I breathe my last and take my first in heaven. And then all answers will be taken care of. But until then, I have to seek God and I have to seek him with a soft heart, with a heart that is willing to be transformed, with a heart that is willing to turn over whatever it be to God Almighty. But I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. It's got to be through the Holy Spirit. And can I let you know that it won't be perfect either. We talked a little bit about Nicodemus and I'm gonna take you through this. Nicodemus sought out God at the first. If you go to John chapter seven, verse 51, you find that Nicodemus shows back up on the scene. And in John chapter seven, verse 50 and 51, 
Nicodemus is warning the people as they are trying to plot or as they are plotting against Jesus to kill him. He says, a man has to have a trial before we can condemn him. Now, Nicodemus started his life, and at the end of chapter 3, it doesn't tell us that he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. But we see a change in Nicodemus' life. Now, if that's not good enough for you, in John chapter 19, verses 38 and 39, we find that Joseph of Arimathaeus goes and asks to get Jesus' body off the cross and to bury it. Whenever Pilate gives him the permission to take it off, to take Jesus' body off the cross and to bury it, then we see that Nicodemus shows up. Nicodemus shows up with 75 pounds of perfume and ointment to anoint his Savior, Jesus Christ's body, for burial. Nicodemus sought out Jesus and didn't understand but he continued to seek out Jesus throughout his life. And whenever Jesus breathed his last breath, Nicodemus was there to lay to rest his Messiah, his Savior that rose from the grave three days earlier or three days later. Our lives has to be a life that seeks out transformation. We have to seek it out to mature in our walk and to become the person that God truly has for us to be. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul said that we need to direct our hearts towards God's love and towards the steadfastness of Jesus Christ. We need to seek it out. Is it going to be hard? Yes. Because there are some things that we hold on to that we have been holding on to for a long time. That God is telling us, you need to get rid of it. I need you to lay that down. For the next task that you have for me, you need to get rid of that. I've got something for you. I've got something better than what you're holding on to. Trust me. Seek out my will. Seek out the love of God. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for this day. God, we thank you for the words that we have. God, I pray, dear Lord, and as I say these words, God, that there are people that are here that are searching their hearts and they're saying, God, I want to allow you to transform my life. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would give us a heart that is after you, a heart that will seek your transformation, a heart that will allow your Holy Spirit to mold and to guide and to direct what we would have and where you would have for us to go. And God, that in that, that we would trust you above all things. God, that we would allow you to move so mightily in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen.